Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Wednesday, July 1st, 2020. I'm Shannon, and I'm here with Stacy, Sarah, and Natalia, and we are going to talk about female friendship. Some female friendships are nice and supportive and lovely, and some are toxic and terrible and deadly. So you can hear all about it. Lots of great books from thrillers to women's fiction to romance to horror. We have lots of things to tell you about. But before we do that, I have the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So Sarah will start us off, followed by me, then Stacy, and lastly, of course, Natalia. So Sarah, you can tell us about your first great book. Sometimes in many situations in life, we're always the last to know, which is the name of the Kristen Higgins book that I'm going to talk about tonight. And Always the Last to Know is a book about a family, a mother and two daughters. But for our purposes today, we are going to mainly focus on the mother, Barb. And Barb is married to John, and it's just about to be their 50th anniversary. And unfortunately, um, Barb and John have kind of grown apart. And Barb was planning to divorce John to let him know that she wanted a divorce on their 50th anniversary, January 10th. As one does. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't quite know why I'd wait for my anniversary to be like, adios. But it's over. <laughs> that's what she wanted to do. But the day before her anniversary, John is riding his bike as a, some fit 75-year-old men do. And he either had a stroke and fell off his bike or fell off his bike and had a stroke. They don't really know. And so Barb rushes to the hospital after calling her daughters and finds that John has been cheating on her with someone called work. <laughs> so his mistress in his phone has been listed as work. So of course, as one does, Barb's best friend, Caro, who's been her friend since she's moved to this town several years ago, many um, years comes ago. many, many years ago, like yeah. before their children were born, she comes over and they start texting work as <laughs> John 
And so this book really focuses a lot on different relationships, um, parent relationships, mother-daughter relationships, sister-sister relationships, lots of different types of love. But one of the kinds of love that Kristen Higgins focuses on in this book is best friends. And as someone who has a bestie who we joke about, like, we're going to have to find like a nursing home someday where we can all like be together and sit outside and drink tea and do stuff as we age. Um, I thought that this part of the book was so beautiful because it really, it's, it, it highlights a friendship that has spanned years and years and the birth of children, um, the divorce of Caro from her husband, um, other relationships, kind of Barb coming into her own and finding herself. And the whole time that this is going on and, and the whole time the story is unfolding with Barb and her husband, John, and their two daughters, um, Caro is always there and she's just kind of an amazingly supportive character. And she's just that kind of best friend that like everybody wants, like, oh, your husband's cheating on you. I'll bring you some tequila. Oh, you've had a stressful day as a caregiver because really you wanted to divorce your husband and now you're like his full-time caregiver. I'm going to bring you some red wine and I'm going to cook you some food and I'm going to make you laugh and I'm going to go with you to be your support. And it's just this beautiful friendship. And it, 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 it just illustrates that, you know, there are lots of different types of love in this world, you know, parent to child and husband and wife. And, but a lot of books I feel like don't really touch too much on friendship that spans years. Generations. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's truly what this book is about, that this is like a completely platonic love that's as deep as like the love you have for your spouse, but in a different way. And, and how so much necessary. This, yes. Whoa. Yes. And how much this friendship has helped both women for their entire adult lives since they were young, like a young mom and, and before Barb had her first daughter. And so I just really, and I'm not really even touching on a big part of the plot because it's not really relevant to what we're talking about tonight, but um, always the last to know is a great book. If you want to read about an amazing friendship and um, read, in my opinion, the best, uh, get the cheater scene you've ever read in your <laughs> oh, life. Because, yes. yes. you know, that's what besties do. They, they oh got God, you back when so you go good. in. Did you read it to Natalia? Yeah, and they tell yes, off the yes. other woman. Oh my it was God. Like, so lovely. It was so priceless. I laughed priceless. so hard. It, it was I did priceless. Too. I laughed and then I cheered and then I clapped. So luckily I'm working from home and nobody had to see me act like that. But <laughs> everybody, everybody needs to read all always the last to know by Kristen Higgins. Yeah. So it's cool. definitely very relatable. Yeah. I love the like sentiment at the end that actually yes. it's Harrow who was the love of Barb's life in a lot. Yes. 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 Yeah, but I it was like was this beautiful. deep, friend like it was like and I keep going back to the platonic love because I think it'd be very easy for people to be like oh you know they're like in a relationship but it's it's like a deep and abiding friendship and I just love the way she wrote about it just really good so my first pick is a little bit out of my usual reading zone because I really don't like contemporary romance all that much oh no you don't no no, but I do 
really, really enjoy The Boyfriend Project <gasps> by Farah Rashan. So this just came out um, in the beginning of June, and it is the story of Samaya. And Samaya is getting ready to go on a date with her boyfriend, and she's dressing up and, you know, just getting ready to have a fun night. And her sister is looking through Twitter. And she's laughing hysterically at this thing she's reading where a woman is live tweeting this absolutely terrible date that she's on. And she starts talking to Samaya about this as Samaya is getting ready for her own date. And Samaya realizes that she has been on this exact same date with the exact same guy. And so she is serious because it's this guy that she's supposed to be meeting up with in a little while. And he's on a date with someone else right now. So she marches over to the restaurant and confronts him. <laughs> but she's not the only one because there is a third woman that this guy oh <laughs> has been seeing. And so now we have these three women, Samaya, London, and Taylor. And they are all just like really angry at this guy like he's been playing them all he's given them all like kind of fake versions of his name and you know just different things about himself so that he hopes no one will really know who he is and what he's been doing so these three women meet in this restaurant they confront him they send him running away <laughs> <laughs> and they form a beautiful friendship from this sort of you know terrible terrible encounter that they've had and there's a video of this that of course goes viral of them like telling off this guy <laughs> and this kind of upends their lives in a lot of ways Samaya works for a tech company and London is a pediatric surgeon and Taylor is a fitness consultant and they each have <clears throat> these life goals that they're trying to achieve but they're all kind of bound by like what society wants them to be and what society wants them to do. And how are they going to be like independent, successful black women who can achieve their dreams while still being part of all the like social norms and conventions. So we follow these, these three as they kind of figure out who they are and what they want to do. And this is Samaya's story. So we focus mainly on her and she wants to develop this app and it's like a social media app. And she has a lot of insecurities about her own intelligence and her own like worth in the tech world. She also meets a guy who is a new hire at her company who is there under some less than great circumstances. Um, he is not completely honest about who he is and what his motives are. Um, but she falls for him quickly and very hard. And so now she's trying to navigate this like friendship with these women, this possible new relationship, and also her own kind of belief in herself and this app that she wants to develop. It is so great. It is a tribute to friendship and to that really strong sense of female empowerment that we don't see nearly enough of. So anyway, this is just a love letter to female empowerment, to female friendship, um, to strong women achieving their dreams, and also to romance with a guy who doesn't always do the right thing 
but is a good person at heart. So this is The Boyfriend Project, The Boyfriend Project Book One by Farah Rashan. It's the first Farah Rashan book I've ever read, and I'm really excited to see what happens for both London and Taylor when they get their books in this series. So you can meet your best friend in a lot of places. You can meet them um, in college and grad school by talking about dog food. Hey, you we can did meet that. them. We did. You can meet them um, in a job. You can meet them out and about. You can meet them on a podcast. Or if you are like the women I'm about to talk about, you can meet them on the day the dead rise. <laughs> and what I'm going to talk about is the As the World Dies trilogy by Rhiannon Freighter. The first book is called The First Days. And the main characters in this series are Jenny and Katie. Jenny is a wife and mother. She's um, an abused wife. Um, she lives in a very fraught home with a lot going on. And at the very beginning of the worst day of her life, she has just stepped out onto her front porch to avoid her recently zombified husband and undead children. You meet her for the first time on her front porch as she runs from her newly zombified husband and undead children. And just as they are exploding through the picture window in her home and chasing her down, a woman roars up in a pickup truck and saves her life. That woman is Katie. Katie is an attorney and she kissed her wife goodbye and left for work and got to work and was almost yanked out of her car by a man who was clearly dead. So right away she runs back home and finds that her beloved, beloved wife um, has fallen to the zombies. And so as she's driving and getting lost in this neighborhood, she comes upon Jenny on her front lawn, frozen with horror as her dead family, you know, come running at her and she saves her life. And thus begins the beautiful, beautiful friendship of Jenny and Katie, who work together to survive in the early days of the apocalypse, um, who find new love and uh, new life together who are each other's just everything through thick and thin um, as as a small town tries to rebuild um, at the end of the world and they are each other's constants and they have just this lovely friendship throughout you know zombie attacks and uh, people coming to their town and people you know just all these different conflicts, the one constant that runs throughout the series is the friendship that they have. And this friendship that they have developed actually kind of helps them both to move on. Um, for Jenny, um, as I said, she's an abused wife. Um, and the strength of Katie helps her to sort of begin to rebuild her life and her self-esteem and Katie kind of helps her find her place in this new undead world where she is actually um, a really powerful, kick-ass zombie killer. And Jenny's steadfastness helps Katie as she is dealing with 
the death of her wife and her guilt at leaving her to roam undead. And, you know, Jenny helps Katie to survive in the beginning when Katie is still struggling to understand that what is happening is actually zombies coming after them to eat their flesh. And this, um, this trilogy is amazing for many, many reasons, but my favorite thing about it is the friendship between Jenny and Katie. And if you want to read a really great, not cheesy zombie apocalypse series, please, please pick up the As the World Dies trilogy um, with the first book being The First Days and the author is Rhiannon Freighter. Yeah. With the Rhiannon Freighter series, what I liked is the immediacy of everything. Like you're, you're constantly in these very fraught situations, very high stress, um, immediate kind of situations. And what I loved was how these women could count on each other to have each other's backs all the way but, through it. But then they were there for the quiet moments too. I think there's a, that something that, that you didn't really touch on that is so amazing to the whole story arc of these books is that like Jenny doesn't know how to be a friend. She's like been, right. she's yes. had a really hard life. She's been very abused like by her father and then by her husband. Yes. And so she doesn't know how to just be a friend like in the beginning because she without knows that. Without having other women, like without viewing them as competition or Yes. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yay. These will be on my list when oh, I finish. Please. When I you finish very... Inspiration. The first book I'm going to talk about, I read it a long time ago. And I'm so happy that I remembered it because, you know, with the pandemic and all the books, I'm kind of like, hmm, friendship. So this book is by Ali Larkin. I believe it was her debut novel. And it's called Stay. And Yay! Stay. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so this story is about Savannah Valion. And she is, when we start the book, she is getting ready for her friend's, her best friend Janie's wedding. And she is the maid of honor. But there's a catch. Her best friend Janie is marrying the love of Savannah's life, or Van, as they know her in the book. The love of her life, unknowingly. And so this lady has decided to, you know, I guess, allow this to happen. Even though she's literally been in love with this guy, Peter Clark, since she... Uh, met him in college and so this book is about I guess the complications that female friendships can bring and lack of communication so you know you're wondering how is it that this woman was in love with this uh, this guy and he ends up marrying her best friend if you want to know you're gonna have to read the book I'm not gonna spoil it for you but what I will tell you is that it isn't um, it isn't a straightforward thing where um, somebody, you know, got involved, got in the middle of someone else's relationship. It isn't a cheating thing. Okay. So, you know, for those people like me who aren't, uh, you know, I, I like to know that if it's going to be a cheating book, so I don't get mad. And so what happens is, you know, her best friend marries the love of her life and they're going on a really long honeymoon. And what does she do? She drinks and wears pajamas and watches Rin Tin Tin. And then <laughs> she has an idea to order a dog. 
because why not dogs are order loyal a and dog. they love you unconditionally yeah yeah she sees a dog and I, I believe it's like an infomercial and she orders <laughs> a german a, a dog and so she thinks that this dog is gonna be like pocket size and you know cute fluffy companion she goes and picks him up at the airport because you can actually pick dogs up at the airport when they can be flown into you i think i don't know if you can do that in real life i guess yeah you so. can I, I guess so. It makes me sad to think about, but okay. But anyway, for the purposes of the book, so she picks up the dog, and the dog is in this huge crate and turns out to be this like a hundred pound German shepherd that only knows commands in like Slovenia, Slovak. Imagine. Oh my God. So, you know, my, my, she's stuck with this big beast. She ends up taking him to the vet. You know, it helps a lot that the vet is really cute. And, you know, they start a little, a little something there. But then her best friend, Janie, and the love of her life come back from their honeymoon. And, of course, being best friends, she, you know, is relatively close to them and sees them a lot more than she wants <laughs> or probably <laughs> should. And so now she has to figure out what she's going to do with her life. And I, I just enjoyed this book so, so, so much because it talks about not only friendship, but also how um, a lot of things can be left unsaid in friendships and how there can be a lot of love, but a lot of, I guess, resentment and a lot of, um, I wouldn't say toxicity because they weren't necessarily um, two friends that, you know, they did grow up together. And um, I, let's just put it this way. Van was the daughter of the housekeeper and Janie was the rich girl. Um, so, you know, the housekeeper had a daughter that was the same age as the, the kids of the, of the owners of the estate. So, the daughter you know, of the house, the daughter of the, yeah, the daughter of the housekeeper, cause it's in modern times. Exactly. The daughter of the house. And so, you know, there's a lot of, um, similarities in their life, but a lot of differences and it, it highlights on how those differences can, um, actually, as I said, grow resentment, but it also highlights on how. Um, we can overcome those things and how you know good communication can actually is is very important it's very important and also how love can really really overcome everything and anything and the sacrifices that we do for the people that we love so this is stay by ali larkin and i really 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 recommend it she has actually a new book out that i want to read I, I loved Stay so much, and I really I waited years for other books of hers. And I know her Why swimming for read? sunlight is beautiful. Um, you need to read it. But um, I'm telling you, this book made me so happy with the German Shepherd, and like she was such a like dog novice, it was kind of ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and that whole part, and the friendship part, and like. I don't know, just all the dynamics. And yeah, I love that book so much. The next book I'm going to talk about, um, it's a little bit heavier of a book. And it's actually not a book that is like recently released, but it's a book that's really stuck with me, um, especially the older I get and having kids and being married. And um, it's called Homefront by Kristen Hanna. Oh, yeah. And yes. it. Oh, yes. It's just such a phenomenal book. And it tells the story of Jolene, who is a, a Black Hawk fighter pilot for um, the um, National Guard 
and her best friend is her co-pilot. And like, they live really near to each other and they've been friends a long time and they both have families and, um, they're just like each other's rocks. You know, they, they really get like the soldier life and the trying to be moms and trying to do all these things. And Jolene has struggled for a long time with trying to make like this beautiful, rosy existence for her children. She has an almost teenager and a four-year-old. She has two girls and she just wants them to have like this beautiful life. So she really just busts it for her kids and works really hard. And she's just kind of like Wonder Woman. And she and her husband, Michael, are struggling in their marriage. They've been married for 12 years. You know, they both have lives and they're kind of going on different paths. And then one day, the National Guard, her, her is it unit? Is that the word? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, think so gets deployed, they get called to Iraq. And so Jolene and her best friend, and I think her best friend's name is Tammy. It is. They, they go to Iraq and her husband who has, you know, like a pretty high powered career and he's not a bad guy or anything, but he just hasn't really been involved like in the raising of his children or like his just keeping things flowing in their family. And so all of a sudden, while she's off in war and dealing with all of these things, um, he's there at home, like trying to deal with like dramatic little four-year-old girl tantrums and his daughter starting her period and having to get a bra and all these, like, he's just like, like really overwhelmed and trying to figure it out. And she's, you know, halfway across the world and trying to figure that out. And then while she is deployed, her um, helicopter gets shot down it she it goes down and she and her best friend are aboard and Jolene um, gets very injured she um, loses her leg and she has to come home and go through rehab Um, I'm not going to say if her friend what happens to her friend because it'll kind of ruin the book but Jolene has to come home and all of a sudden she needs to rely on other people and she can't keep this like rosy, beautiful, everything is smooth facade. She's kind of cracking. She has PTSD. She has to go through this grueling therapy. She needs to rely on Michael, her husband, a little bit more. And she can't always be like the picture book, storybook, TV mom that she wants to be for her kids. And so this book is just a story about, um, family and then the the deep deep friendship between Jolene and Tammy and how their families kind of intertwine and kind of when major life circumstances change how does that affect people and how does that affect friendship and how does that affect everything and it's just it's just a really really beautiful story and the characters are so developed, you know, Kristen Hannah, her last few books, especially, but she's, she's written many books, but her last few, I just feel like her characters have been so rich and very relatable, real characters, not like, Oh, this character's in a book and these situations like never happen. Like these situations really (laughs) do happen. And so, um, if you want to read a really good book that it, it really does get into friendship and how you rely on your friends and 
what happens maybe if, you know, one friend is injured and having to totally change their perspective, what happens to that? Pick up Homefront by Kristen Hanna. I do not think you will be disappointed. It's so good. Oh, I wish I had thought so of it. This book. I <laughs> love how she writes female friendships, especially Firefly Lane. Firefly that Lane was amazing. Yes. Why didn't I think of that? But I have not read it yet. The sequel came and it was like a horrifying. Mess. Um, the sequel was just well, it wasn't necessary. No, it wasn't. So my next book was a recommendation from the lovely Brooke. Ooh. So this is the best lies by Sarah Layu. And it is a young adult thriller. So Stacy and Sarah can like cover their ears and, and be horrified. Because <laughs> um, we're gonna get kind of dark here. So this is the story of Raimi. And she doesn't have the best home life. Her parents are not kind to each other. Um, they're not kind to her. They're sort of kind to her older brother, but not really. Like, they're just not nice people. Her mother is a doctor, and she's very um, obsessed with, like, her own greatness and how smart she is and how she's always, like, having to make these, you know, life and death decisions on a dime and how she just, like, does this really well. Like, no one's as good as she is. And this is sort of her, like, MO all the time. Like, she's just, like, really in love with herself. And the father's is sort of, I don't know, like, ineffectual and kind of bumbling around. He doesn't really know how to deal with himself or his family. And Remy is, is not popular. She doesn't really have a lot of friends. She just feels adrift. And then she meets Elise. And Elise understands her in a way that no one ever has. And they bond and they become the kind of instant friends that you can become when you're a teenager. And it's this super intense, all, you know, all consuming friendship that nothing can get in the way of. But then Remy meets Jack and she starts to have feelings for Jack. And this becomes a problem in many, many ways. And so the way this book opens is that Jack is dead. And Elise is the person who shot him. And Remy knows why, but she's not sure where her loyalties lie. Like, should she tell the police what she knows? Or should she try to come up with kind of an alternate story to save her best friend who you know, killed her boyfriend? So we see this in kind of a flashback style. So part of it is told in the present tense with Raimi in an interrogation room. And then we go back in time to like the beginning of her friendship with Elise and how things started to go very, very wrong. And then what happened when she met Jack and how that sort of intensified all the problems um, that Raimi and Elise were having. So this is a deep and dark and twisted look at female friendship. I'm really sad because its ratings on Goodreads are much lower than I think this book deserves. I'm gonna have like a 3.3 rating, which I mean, I thought it was so much better than that. Um, I really, really loved it. I felt like, you know, you knew certain things like they were, you know, not super surprising, but the journey was really great. And I enjoyed watching Raimi kind of wrestle with 
this untenable situation that she finds herself in and really try to figure out like what is the best thing for those around her, but even more so what is the best thing for her and what does it mean to be a good friend? Like, does it always mean that you cover for your friend? Like, do you always like have their back, even if that means like being untrue to yourself? Um, It's just, it's a really great twisty thriller. So it is The Best Lies, and it's by Sarah Layou. Yeah, it's talked just about this one more year. thriller I yes. want to talk, I want to read. So I discovered this next book when I was in a book slump earlier this year. Um, 2020 is the year of the book slump for me. And I loved it so much. Like, I teared up many times. I, I like to pretend that I'm not like a sappy weepity person but this book oh my god it made me like tear up a million times and I loved it so much it's called the good luck girls of shipwreck lane and it's by kelly harms and this book is about two women who lived in I believe like omaha nebraska maybe some or maybe no it might be iowa anyway it doesn't matter where they live at the beginning it doesn't matter because what happens is um one day Janine Brown is cooking in her kitchen and her aunt Midge, her great aunt Midge calls her and says, (laughs) you get over here and come watch this show with me. We're going to, you know, we have our dinner on whatever day it is. And we, 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 you know, watch this show. Um, And on this show, someone is going to win a new house. Now, Janie, Janine Brown is having a bit of a rough time. Um, the love of her life has died and her coping strategy is to basically hide in her house, not do very well at work because her, um, her sort of social skills are not as developed as they could be because all she wants to do is stay in her apartment kitchen and cook beautiful exotic dishes all day long. And so she tends to piss off her employer so she can go home and cook beautiful exotic dishes all day long that she then does not eat. And takes to oh. Great Aunt Midge. So she goes to Great Aunt Midge's house and they start watching this show. And all of a sudden, Janine Brown is the winner of this beautiful new mansion on the East Coast. And Janie's like, what do I do? Like, Midge submitted her name so she would win this house. And her name was drawn and she wins this beautiful house. The sweepstakes, she's going to, like, you know, it has, like, it's right on the ocean. It's gorgeous. It's everything you could want in a house. And so Janie gets swept up into this whole, like, dramatic thing that she did not actually sign on for. Across town, however, we have Janine Neen Brown, who does want this dream home because she wants to leave her loser boyfriend, her loser life, and she wants to start over. And gosh darn it, this house is her way of doing that. And so she is like sending all of her sweepstakes stuff and she's watching the show. And actually her drunk boyfriend tries to prevent her from watching the show. And she knocks him out with um, like a glass, like a beer <laughs> glass or something. She's like, shut up, I'm watching my show. And because he's going at her because he's not an, a nice individual. So when she hears Janine Brown, of course she just knows it's her um, from wherever Iowa where they live. 
like Des Moines or wherever they live. And she immediately packs her bags. She's emailing with this woman um, who is the, like the, the publicist or whatever, not the publicist. What am I trying to say? The, uh, like a PR person? Producer, P- PR person for the show. And so she drives to this beautiful home. And that's when she discovers after living there for several days that she is not the Janine Brown who won the sweepstakes. Oh, no. <laughs> and here then becomes the issue because both Janine Browns feel as though this is their house. <laughs> and so what they decide to do after lots of drama and angst is to like kind of both live there for a while with Aunt Midge, who's running the whole show. <laughs> and basically what develops out of this book or out of this whole situation is a beautiful, beautiful friendship that never should have been with shy, shy, socially awkward Janie who just wants to stay in her kitchen and cook and Neen, who is like flinging herself into all the doings of the town and just wants us to be her new life. And so as these women are, you know, developing this beautiful friendship with each other and Aunt Midge is kind of the glue that holds everything together. Also, they are both sort of like learning more about this small town and both kind of developing other relationships. Um, But at the core of this book, um, besides the fact that it's about the most beautiful found family that I've ever read about, um, it's about these two women who realize that this mistake with the sweepstakes was the best thing to happen to both of them. And this book is so delightful. Um, please read it. It just, it, it's like all the feels like in a not overly fluffy way. I loved it so much. And uh, this book again is the ship, the good luck girls of shipwreck lane by Kelly harms. And I beg you to read it. I, I have to read it. I, I've been oh. wait, I've been wanting to read it, and I just why are you then, waiting? I don't know. And then she released the bright side of going dark, and I want to read that one too. Oh, like, that's oh. so good. Now I love the bright side of going dark, but to me, nothing. I don't know how anything can ever top the good luck girls of shipwreck shipwreck lane. I don't know. Yes. So, <laughs> the next book I'm going to talk about is called Fl- Fight or Flight by Samantha Young. And this is actually one of her standalone novels. It's not part of any of her series. And it was a surprise for me. I was just looking through Audible one day and I found it. And it had just come out. I didn't know it was coming. And this book is about Ava or Ava. I don't really remember how you pronounce her name. I'm sorry. And let's just say Ava. Ava is on her way back from her best friend's funeral. She's on her way back to Boston. Some kind of volcano ash happens and she gets stranded on the airplane. And she meets a a Scottish gentleman by the name of Caleb. And uh, she forges a, I guess, I don't even know what to say with him. Um, But, you know, during their layover. But then, you know, she goes home. He goes home. It's all over. And but it's not. He comes back to look for her. And now, the reason I'm talking about this book, um, even though we are talking about female friendship, is because even though she's young and single and available, she wants nothing to do with this guy, even though he actually wants to pursue something real with her. Um, And now this book goes kind of like back and forth from her present to 
her friendship with this person that passed away. Um, they grew up together as kids and they were inseparable and they shared everything. And something really big happened a few years ago that separated them uh, and for good. And now this friend has passed away and there's no solving it. So we've got, you know, Ava dealing with the grief of what happened between her and her childhood best friend that was never fixed, that was never, you know, solved, that was never, there was never any kind of closure. And now there won't be because now she's dead. And not only that, but also how this incident that happened between them when they were young has shaped her life, her not wanting to be involved with people, um, her not, you know, closing herself off from any kind of love, whether it be it romantic, other friendships, and things like that. It seems like it really scarred her. So we see how she deals with that trauma and that grief and how she, you know, manages to get through it. And I'm telling you, I really, really did like this book a lot. I always like Samantha Young. You know, I always recommend her, but um, this was one of the books that came up in my brain when Shannon said, oh yeah, let's talk about female friendships. So this is Fight or Flight by Samantha Young. And if you want to read a book about how um, a friendship, I guess, how much a friendship can do for your life, good or bad, or both, then this is the kind of book you want to read. Okay. I love Samantha Young. Like, I, I haven't read this book, though, so I'm going to have to try it. You should. I like yeah. it a lot. So I know we already talked about zombies, but we haven't talked about zombies. Sarah Can we talk about them again? Style. Yes. yes. We, have to, <laughs> we have to talk about them Sarah Lyons Fleming style because yes. Yes. I'm sorry. I really think Sarah Lyons Fleming is like the goddess of the zombie apocalypse. And yes, yes. She, she is. And the, way oh she, the way she writes about like how the world kind of implodes, it's just... I mean, I don't want the world to ever implode like that, but I mean, you can feel yourself there. And yes. I was so excited this year when she released the book I'm going to talk about. You were so is... excited this year when your sister told you she released yes. a book. Yes. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so let me give my twin the accolade that she is due. So first of all, Stacy again <laughs> discovered Sarah Lyons Fleming because she does all of our zombie research. And then not only did she discover her, but then she told me that the book I'm going to talk about um, came out this year, earlier in the year. So kudos to Stacey. Okay, I feel better now. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Even though it was my idea to talk about it. So, <laughs> so the book I'm going to talk about for my final book is called World Departed, Cascadia Book One by Sarah Lyons Fleming. And <gasps> I know. I mean, I almost, like I had to like not read it for a couple months because I knew once I finished it, it I wouldn't find anything that would soothe my soul. So this book takes place on the West Coast in Oregon, which is just a really neat place to um, have a zombie apocalypse story. <laughs> and it starts on the day that the world is going to implode. And the main character of this book is Rose Winter, and she is about to have her um, 20th anniversary party with her husband, who is not really that great. Oh, that's and, sad. 
No. I mean, he's not, like, a terrible man. Like, he loves her, but um, he struggles with his own demons. Um, He's an addict, but he has some other behaviors that are not that great. And Rose has really tried to shield her now, like, college-age children from the brunt of her husband's behavior. So it starts off, she's hiding in her car the, the, like the day before the anniversary party. So her 20th anniversary is like the next day. And she's having this huge party with a lot of karaoke because she loves to sing. And she's hiding in her car, talking to her best friend, watching her husband um, get some drugs after oh. he's promised her he's been clean for a long time. And she's just really like, upset and devastated and just doesn't quite know what to do. So she goes home and she keeps talking to her friend, Shell. Um, her name's Rochelle and, and they call her Shell. And just like the devastation of like, you know, it's been 20 years of my life with this man. And, you know, every time something happens, somehow he makes it my fault. And I just want to make it through this damn anniversary party that I hate giving parties because she actually likes to be the person in the corner watching the party, not really doing the party unless she is the person karaokeing. And so while this is happening, so she's like bought all this food for this party, which will be good later. And <laughs> um, her college age kids come home because of the party. So she has a son and a daughter. And then her friend Shell comes over to help her with the party. So while all this is happening, her daughter's best friend is in her apartment at her university, also in Oregon, um, kind of messing around with this guy when she gets a phone call from her father, who um, they don't get along very well, her father, Tom. He's kind of like a stick in the mud. He's kind of just real serious and um, very in love with his wife, but he's just not that great. And they don't have a good relationship anymore. And he's like, you need to get home right now. This, vi this virus... Um, the Bornavirus LX is really heating up and you just need to get home. So she waits like an hour because she's fooling around with this cute boy. And then of course he needs a ride. So she like throws him in her car and she's already like, I'm done with you. And they're driving home. So she gets home to find that her younger brother has um, been bitten, attacked her, um, his mother and her mother and her father has had to um, deal with the situation. Yes. And both of them. And Whoa. so, yeah, it's awful. And it's, it's the way she writes about it's very tragic. So now all of these, they see these like zombies that they don't really realize are zombies, like coming up to their house and they basically make a break for it. And they run through the woods to Rose's house and they make it to Rose's house and they're all there together. And this, as the first few days of the virus kind of start to implode, Rose can't find her husband. She thinks he went and like, you know, got high and then probably got bit, passed out somewhere. And so she's really stressed about that. And, you know, she's got her two kids and then Tom is there with his daughter and then Rose's father is there and they kind of start to build this unit, this again, found family of circumstance that come together 
to deal with the virus. But the thing is, her best friend, Shell, is there. And her best friend was her friend before the apocalypse and continues to be her friend during the apocalypse. And so it's just an amazing book about how these people come together and develop into a family and how Rose and Shell continue to have this great friendship and support each other while trying to deal with the zombie apocalypse. And I just, any excuse I have to talk about Sarah Lyons Fleming is just great for me. So when I remembered that Rose and Shell had like this great relationship, I was like, Oh, this is going to be like in this episode for sure, because it's so good. Um, there are a lot of exciting things that happen, a lot of zombies, a lot of twists and turns that Sarah Lyons Fleming is very famous for doing really well written. Yes. You feel like you're there in Oregon, like as zombies come to your fence and you have to learn how to stab them and you have to like sneak into a school to get more food and you have to like find a car and go out and search for your husband who's high and like, it's just all of these things. And then as this is happening, Tom starts becoming closer to his daughter and he starts becoming less of a stick in the mud. And all of a sudden he and Rose start to notice that they might actually appreciate each other and maybe they could be friends or possibly something more. So if you like zombie books and you like the goddess of the zombie apocalypse, Sarah Lyons Fleming, you should pick up world departed Cascadia book one. Where is book two? It's coming out being written. It's like coming out in 2021. I'm hoping that this pandemic has given her so much time to write. That (laughs) we're going to (laughs) sooner. Well, and, and the thing I like about her books is they're like a lovely length. They're not just like a, a little they're short, short like no. novella like and long oh. yes. yes you get lots and lots of stories so it's yes. it's um but the the friendship element and it's been woven there are, there are strong female friendships in all of Sarah Lyons Fleming's books in my yes. opinion yes um, and that's and like everything else is important but again like the female friendship element aspect of the stories is like what kind of drives a lot of how the plot, like, the protagonists kind of re- react and respond to the changes in the world because it's okay yes. because they have their best friend with them. All right. So I am bringing us down. Oh, no. Are you ready to go down? <laughs> no. <laughs> down, down, <laughs> down into a pit of grief and despair. You, a that's your favorite of kind fire. of book. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is. Okay. So listen very closely. This is very important. Okay. Okay. There are three things that matter. How much you loved, how gently you lived, and how gracefully you let go of things not meant for you. And this is a quote from an unknown source. And it begins the synopsis of The Smallest Part by Amy Harmon. Oh, yes. I want to read this so bad. Sorry. So this is the story of Mercedes and Cora, who were best friends. And then it's the story of Mercedes and Cora and Noah. And Noah was originally part of their friend group. And then both Mercedes and Cora developed feelings for him. 
So Mercedes is the tough, resilient survivor of the group. And so when Cora asks her if she loves Noah, Mercedes lies and she says no. And from that day on, she is just the best friend, the bridesmaid, the port in a storm. And her life is forever changed by this one lie that she tells because she knows that she can survive without Noah, but she doesn't think that Cora can. And so she sacrifices the great love of her life for her best friend. And her best friend marries Noah and they have a child. And what you learn about Cora is that she is struggling with some mental illness um, that she doesn't always know how to manage. She doesn't necessarily want to come to terms with that. So when the book opens, Cora is dead. We don't know if it was an accident. Um, there are some things that make people think that maybe she committed suicide, but she's gone now, leaving Mercedes and Noah and her young daughter behind. And so now Mercedes is there for Noah and she's trying to help him through his grief and trying to deal with her own grief and trying to figure out like how she really feels about Cora after her death. And like, how do you, how do you come to terms with this deep soul wrenching grief, but also with your anger toward your best friend for not managing her life in the ways that you wish that she would have. And for not being honest with herself and with those around her about what's really going on for her. And do you like fall in love with your best friend's husband, even if you've loved him all along? And so basically like this is about what happens when your life is, is based on a lie, a lie that you've told for all the best reasons um, to spare pain for the people that you love, but it comes at a, a great cost. And now Mercedes is trying to rebuild her life and decide whether she can slip into this place with Noah that Cora has, has left open for her. And is that what Cora would have wanted? This is a deep, deep dive into grief, into friendship, into first love, and how long first love can last, even when you deny it. Um, as always, Amy Harmon has written just a, a beautiful, masterful novel. Um, I struggled to read this. Um, I read it a couple of years ago when it first came out, and I, I didn't think that I liked it at first. It was, it was a hard read. And then the more I read it, the, the deeper I kind of like fell into it. And even though Cora is not technically a character in the book, you really come to know her through Noah's and Mercedes' memories of her um, and kind of the legacy that she leaves behind. So this is The Smallest Part by Amy Harmon. Um, it's, it's fantastic, but so sad. And I recommend it if you are in the mood for it. I love Amy Harmon, and I don't know why I haven't read this one yet, but... This I sounds like to. a 12-tissue book. It is so, <laughs> so sad. It 
Like, Amy yeah. Harmon, her writing is so beautiful. Like, I just, yeah. So as I said, um, when I was talking about my first book tonight, you can meet your best friend in so many ways. But a lot of us meet our best friends uh, in a college dorm. And that is the case for the best friends in my next book, which is called The Return by oh. Rachel Harrison. I know. And this, <laughs> and this book is a spooky, gothic, atmospheric, horrifying, fabulous little book that I read a few months ago. And oh this book God. is about the four friends, but the two that it mainly focuses on are Elise and her best friend, Julie. They were roommates in college. They have stayed close. They've stayed in touch. And then one day, Julie up and disappears. While their other two best friends from college are grieving for Julie and uh, along with her husband having a wake for her when she doesn't reappear, Elise knows in her soul that Julie will come back someday. She knows it. She is 100% positive. She can't grieve for her and it makes her feel guilty. But she knows that Julie is out there somewhere and will come home when she can. Two years to the day that Julie disappears, she returns. She is found by her husband sitting on her front porch in the same outfit that she left in two years ago to go on a hike. Oh, my goodness. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's Ow. like, WTF, <laughs> like, what do we do with this? And, like, Julie's pretty circumspect about and what she's happened alive. to her. She's alive. She's alive. And Julie is not really saying what happened. She's sort of kind of glossing over the last two years. She's hospitalized for a while. Um, but after she kind of recovers from the ordeal of returning home, she gets her friends together and wants them all to meet at this little posh boutique hotel to kind of reconnect. Now, this Good is hard idea. for, yeah, but this is hard for Elise because the other three friends are all sort of very successful and, you know, have done some really wonderful things with their lives since college. Elise has is. moved, and here is Elise, who yeah, has moved yeah. to the small town of her married lover, which is a spoiler. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think it's. I think it says that, though. Oh, it? does it? I don't I think know. So. Like, you know it um, pretty early on if it doesn't actually say yeah, it. Yeah, this. and so she moves there to be closer to this man that she has been in love with. Um, and so Elise is in this small town, like, scrimping and saving, and her three sort of more glamorous friends um, all think it's a wonderful idea. So, you know, of course, Elise is like, well, uh, of course I'll come with you all to this boutique hotel that I really can't can't afford afford and <laughs> and then you want to do these little like extra things during the weekend that I really can't afford but okay I'll make it happen and we don't talk about it so she gets up there and of course she's very happy to see Julie but the three friends who did not disappear for two years have decided hey you know what we're gonna just like play it low-key we're gonna play it cool we're just gonna let Julie tell us what she wants to but we're just so happy that she's actually alive and you know in the beginning like it's really great like you know, Julie is there and she's her beautiful self and they're all drinking martinis, but it's really weird because all of a sudden, you know, two years ago when, when Julie left or vanished, she was a vegetarian and now <laughs> she's like 
chomping on these rare steaks at dinner and just not acting quite like herself sometimes. And the other three all know that something isn't quite right with Julie, but no one really wants to address it because they just are so happy that Julie is back. And as they're at this like really kind of weird, I mean, what would you even call this? Like it was like a hotel, <laughs> but it had these like themed rooms and it was sort of like this very gothic, creepy like place. really over the top themed rooms. Like sweets. Like, like pink. <laughs> bright, like bright one was like pink. very, very like Victorian and one was very, very like kind of, as I recall, like jungly, like just. <laughs> you have to, if you read this book for nothing else, read it for the descriptions of these crazy ass rooms. And so these friends are like trying to like reconnect with each other. Um, but the hotel is kind of weird and Elise keeps getting like spooked out by weird things happening in the hotel. And um, she keeps seeing things out of the corner of her eye and like, you know, um, different hotel staff keep vanishing. And there's just this very gothic, spooky undertone to the whole like proceeding. There's and a really that's a bad smell. Very bad smell. That and it just it's it's just a very strange place. And Julie is Julie, but not quite Julie. And all the friends keep trying to talk about it, and they're having like internal conflicts until everything sort of comes to a head. And things are very much not what they appear. But the thing about this book is that it shows you all the amazing things about strong female friendships and then the things that you know only your best friend knows about you the secrets that you wish could remain hidden kind of come into the light of day and you know what your best friend might do to keep you with her for all time and I love this book for many reasons I love the friendships I love the secrets I love the sort of gothic feel to it um, I love the fact that the author has just so quietly woven in um, diversity. Um, one of the friends has um, a prosthesis, um, prosthetic limb. Um, one of the friends um, is a lesbian. And it's just sort of like very natural. Like it's not like a big deal. It's not like they, you know, it's not like how these friends are defined. You know, we have Elise who has this sort of obsession with her, you know, married lover. And then we have Julie who has a lot going on. But at the very core of this, there is this friendship that nothing can set asunder. And it's just, this book is freaky as shit. It builds really slowly. Like um, I read this book right at the start of the COVID pandemic. And um, I didn't think about COVID-19 for like even a second for several hours. And so um, I gave this book five stars because it so thoroughly captured me. Um, because it was so atmospheric and moody. Um, I'm very sad that on Goodreads, it just has barely over three stars. Um, I it, thought it, it was deserves much, way more. It, yes, the writing is very compelling. Um, the author sort of brings you in slowly. You go from sort of like, oh, yay. And then you think, is this just like a thriller to like, holy shit, <laughs> there's something not right here. This is bad wrong. And um, I'm not going to say anything else about it, but I love this book so much. So if you want something that's a little bit different um, and spooky and atmospheric and all about best friends and crazy ass hotels, <laughs> try The Return by Rachel Harrison. I have to say, if you're easily grossed out by teeth, 
Oh, yes. Um, don't read this because there's like this weird, creepy scene where like teeth keep falling out. Oh, and this yes. person just like oh, touches them Thank in her you. hand <laughs> and just like wow. doesn't care that her teeth are just like falling out of her mouth. And everyone's kind of looking and there's like blood and it, it's, it's very gross. That is quite disturbing. Oh my goodness! <laughs> this book, this book is quite disturbing. It's not my norm at all, and I don't know why I loved it so much. I don't have a clue. <laughs> all right, Natalia, last one. So, getting out of this, you know, teeth. <laughs> you don't want to talk about <laughs> and you know, apocalypse and pandemic. You know, when I think of female friendships, I always, always come back to this lady because she writes friendships so well. And I know that in her real life, she has these relationships. And I think that's why she writes them so well. I'm not saying that, that authors that write about female friendships probably what they have or not. But, you know, I'm sure that living, you know, we don't always read or write about things that happen in our real lives, but living some of it definitely helps no and yeah. this is of course nora roberts yes. i yes. write about her she friendships. writes amazing female friendships yeah but this particular trilogy is one of her it's one of my favorites by her it's called the dream trilogy Yay. and the first book is called daring to dream now these are um you know these are three friends that grew up together and um I they are they are the templetons and um, Laura Templeton um, is one of two children. She has a brother. And, you know, they're, I guess they're pretty well off. And then we've got Margot, who's the daughter of the housekeeper. But it, it's in the best way. It's not, not at all like stay, I promise. <laughs> and then we've got Kate, who was orphaned at a very young age and had to be raised um, by a family member. And the Templetons took her in. So we've got these three women that grew up together in very different circumstances. And they're um, just such great, great, great friends. And in Daring to Dream, the first novel, it's Margot's story. And we've got Margot coming back home after something happened. We don't know what that is. But she's back home. She's home to lick her wounds. And um, I guess we have to read her story and how that happens you know she's got a little bit of complications with her relationship with her mother um she's you know quite different and, and quite one of those people who really needed to fly um outside from where she you know where she came from and, and find herself and now that she did now she's back and we need to figure out she needs to figure out what she's going to do with the rest of her life um then we have kate who um, is you know the cousin and she's all about numbers and you know she's pretty satisfied with her life but she was kind of taken in by this family and and she loves them they're literally the best thing that ever happened to her um, but she's got a few secrets that she hasn't told anybody about and that she thinks will make the family stop loving her and then we have Laura um, who hasn't had many any many if any tragedies in her past you know good family happy home and she's got these really wonderful friends that love her except she's just gotten out of a divorce and not only is her divorce you know terrible but what's really awful about the fact that she got divorced is that her husband her ex-husband wants nothing to do with his children and these are you know 
kids that are old enough to know that daddy's gone and daddy's missing and how do you explain to your kids that their dad no longer wants anything to do with them so you know these three women come back to the place of their childhood their the house where they all grew up in and they're basically trying to find themselves and i i really love how they lean on each other and how they they're exactly what they need you know they give each other kicks in the butt when it's necessary they give each other comfort they support each other um they're they're there for each other and and i love how they can stand together and individually so if you want to read a really you know great i guess saga or trilogy about women that are you know wonderful wonderful friends i would totally recommend the dream trilogy by nor roberts i loved it so much and every time i read it it makes me so so happy for some reason i feel like i feel like this trilogy really stands the test of time because it's it's an older you know it's like from the 90s yeah you can read it i mean it's something that i read so many books i mean (laughs) i think i've read five this week already but when it comes to like that trilogy in particular, I don't remember a ton about it, but I remember like aspects of it and I haven't read it since like my college days in the nineties. And I still remember like so much. I mean, I could tell oh. you a ton about it. It's just so well written. It, it was a, it was an earlier time. And, and I say that as someone, I, I think the nineties is still relevant, but you know, I mean, it was an earlier time and it's about these three women who, you know, strike out and have this dream of building a business together. And like, it, right. to me, it was like one of the first times I read a book like that where three women kind of bucked convention to do yes. this thing together. And I, that sounds so sad because it was in the nineties, but that's, you know, um, that's one of the things I like best about it is how they just, you know, became this strong, well, they were friends anyway, but they became this strong unit of business savvy women who that's worked together true. to, to create a beautiful, wonderful business. Okay. So that does it for us tonight with all sorts of female friendship, some that's good and some that's not, um, and some that can get you through like the apocalypse. (laughs) Um, Thank you to Stacy and Natalia and Sarah for chatting with me tonight about such fantastic books. Thanks, as always, goes out to Christine for all of the editing that she does for each of these episodes. And thank you so much to all of you who join us each week as we talk about bookish things that we love. If you would like to let us know your thoughts, you can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. And not only does it allow us to see your feedback, but it also helps other book lovers to find us, which is a great thing. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more bookish fabulousness. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more discussion of great books. Take care, everybody.